Welcome to another episode of Live Hard. I'm James Phillip. I'm Kane Carpenter. We're going to walk you through the Live Hard philosophies based on my own life. You can follow me on Instagram or YouTube at jamesphillip313 or download these anywhere podcasts are available. With that being said, let's get started. All right, James. In 2018, there was a study published in a journal called Emotion. And it said that 72% of adults surveyed expressed regret over their perceived failure to live up to their ideal self-image. We've had tons of conversations over the last few years about um, goals and and our perception of ourselves and and what it means to reach those goals. Um, When you hear that stat, 72% uh, were regretful over their uh, their performance uh, when juxtaposed to their self-image. What do you think? Where, Where does your mind go just right away? I mean, what was the name of the publication? Emotion. It sounds like some shit that I just made on, like, fucking medium.com, and it's legit. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it legit legit? I think so. Or is it, like, some guy in his basement with, like, a psychology associate's degree that did the study? I just want to make sure it's, like, legit. I mean, I, I think so. All right. Well, I trust you on this one, but... So you're saying like 70-something percent of people feel like they don't live up to their self-image? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's fucking true, but... And just just thinking about that, and I use the people all the time that I know, family, friends, co-workers, whatever, because you can read shit on the internet all day, you can read these fucking studies, or, you know, read shit in fucking books, but sometimes true life tells a better story. And... I can see sometimes where people feel they don't live up to their self-image because they often think there's something they're not. And I, I don't know where you bridge that gap between their their self-images, you know, what should they be doing, what should they have accomplished versus this, like, idea in their head of who they are that they're not. Because everyone, you know, a lot of times people just think their shit don't stink. You know, how many times you ran into somebody that got a fucking master's degree from a big school and they think they're a bad motherfucker? Often. Often. Probably too often. Mm -hmm. And then you look at where they're at in life, and it's like, well, shit, your current station in life does not really match your fucking attitude. And what do you do with that? It's how do you adjust that? Because you just think that you're you're on some higher ground than you really are. So when I see 70%, I'm thinking 35% of that is people just haven't really accomplished what they should accomplish. And there's another 35% of that whatever 70% that is just not living up to this crazy expectation of themselves because it's almost like they have a, a fiction-based character in their fucking head that they're never going to achieve because it's just not who they are. So having achieved what you've achieved so far in your life, and your career, do you feel like you've lived up to your ideal self-image? I have this thing where it's all about perspective. And I, I try to teach people, like where I grew up, um, a little bit on the fucking streets, that you're always trying to look for the people that are bullshitting. Everyone's always trying to run game on you. Someone's trying to get over on you. There's always something going on that you had to keep your fucking neck on a swivel. And you're always trying to evaluate people and figure out what, what's really going on here. How are they trying to fucking play me right now? And in the same sense, I look at myself and I go, I'm not where I should be. Where I should be is back home where everyone's dream was to get up, get on the line at Ford. That was everyone's fucking dream where I came from was to get a assembly line job making 30, 40 bucks an hour. At least that's what it was back then. It's probably quite a bit less now, but I'm not supposed to be where I'm at. So I do believe that I have exceeded 
you know, where I should be. If I go back home, if I bump into people, they're pretty much where they should be. Some people escaped, not, not many escaped, but so I I'm often looking at, if I'm trying to evaluate somebody, if, if I see someone that runs a $10 million business and they're trying to give me advice, I first have to figure out, well, did they create the $10 million business themselves or did they take over their family's $10 million business? So a lot of times you look at people and say, why are you here right now? I do the same thing to me for my own self. And I'm like, well, where should I be? I should be back home working some blue collar fucking job, just trying to get by. So like I'm looking at where I'm at in life, owning the companies I own, the, the books I wrote, all this shit that I've done. I do feel like I've not only, you know, matched where I think I should be, but I feel like I've exceeded it. But that's based on where I came from. So take us back to when you were 18 then. and uh, What did you envision for yourself? 17 or 18 was a fucking, it was a transitional time when I was 17. That was, I, I always say like, I don't, I don't say, I, I've heard or read that behavior modification past, you know, 18 years old is like nearly impossible or some shit. And you're kind of set in your ways unless a major life event happens. And, you know, when I was 17, I lost my best friend and, you know, when he was killed, that told me that I, I needed to get out of that fucking life and get away from the fucking streets and go seek something else. So going into 18, I'm going through this whole transformation. I'm just, you know, I spent the last three or four years just running around the fucking streets and, and working odd jobs and making money, not even really going to school that much versus saw an opportunity in a tech world. And then I started to you know, dive into that, but I would say I was probably, like, at 18, I was probably lost, not knowing exactly where I should be or where I'm going. I always thought that, based on the people I was around, I, I do believe there were some really smart people that were just were never going to make it out, and there's a movie called Empire, and there's a, the main character, he's a drug dealer, where there's a comment made by one of the Wall Street guys in the movie, and he says... You know, if he grew up anywhere else, and he's talking about the drug dealer, if that guy grew up anywhere else, he'd be running a fucking Fortune 500 somewhere. But, you know, based on circumstances, he's a fucking kingpin of the drug world. So, you know, just looking at, just, just based on fucking circumstance, I always knew that I probably could do more than these people. But I just didn't know where the hell that was going to come from, because father worked in a steel factory, my mom took fucking off, and, you know, she's wherever the fuck at that point in life, and... While I, I felt that I was smarter than a lot of people around me, and I thought there was more for me, I didn't really know what that was. Right. Then how did how did you get that realization of the required work work ethic that was going to be needed to achieve what you wanted to achieve? So just like work ethic, I mean, part of it was you didn't have a fucking choice. Uh, you know, my mom took off when I was like 12, I moved in with my fucking father who, you know, he didn't even have his own fucking place at that point. He was living with some fucking chick and he was working the seven days a week at the steel factory. That was his life. He worked and uh, smoked cigarettes and drank Budweiser. That was his fucking life. And you know, he, uh, my mom takes off. So, you know, he inherits me and we go get an apartment somewhere and you know, right around not, not too much longer after that, his uh, union goes on strike and we got no money. Crosses the line. He's a scab. Uh, that's what union people call the people that cross the picket lines, a fucking scab. And, you know, that's a, 
that really, even as, as, a, as a 12 or 13 year old, that shaped my mind about unions because, you know, he wanted to cross a line so he could feed his son. And it's it was really weird because you watched his friends who you thought were friends that were going to, you know, if he crossed a line, they were going to fucking want to beat him to death. Beat him to death. And it's like, well, dude, he just wants to provide for his fucking kid. So it's like, you know, if you ever ask me about unions sometimes, I understand them, but... As a as a thirteen year old or whatever I was at that point, watching that happen really shaped my mind that fucking union. So I'm thirteen years old working at you know two party stores because we need money. I'm not doing nothing profound. I'm mopping floors and stocking fucking shelves. But worked at one party store in in where I lived and a couple miles away, worked at another party store and then I was trying to go to school. So the work ethic started then, out of necessity because. You know, I before that I knew what it was like to not have food, and like I said, I'm never gonna feel that again. Hmm. I'm never gonna have those days where I go a day or two without any fucking food. I'll go work wherever I gotta work, doing whatever I gotta do. So part of it was just necessity. But with that, watching my father work in a steel factory seven days a week, eight ten hours a day, I watched him get up every morning without an alarm clock and just go to work, and I realized. That is what's going to take to survive in this fucking world. So I, between trying to like not, never want to be hungry again and watching my own father bust his ass to try to provide, I think that's where my work ethic was developed. Got it. I know we've had this conversation in, in you know, off air a few times, but when you say party store, the that's not what like that's not party city, right? So where I grew up, anyways, we call liquor stores party stores. <laughs> right. And you're not the first person. I was telling somebody that at a bar one night. Yeah. Um, uh, they asked, like, you know, what was your first job or some shit in my party store? And they're like, you know, like balloons and like, you know, confetti and shit. And I'm like, no, you buy a fucking 40 at and get a slice of pizza. And they're like, oh, a liquor store. And, you know, we were in Chicago when this happened. And I'm like, all right, sure, liquor store. But around us we call them some people call them liquor stores and then if, if they had like food and shit we always call them fucking party stores so when i say party stores, yes i was work, i was working at liquor stores and i was like stocking shelves and putting away empties and mopping floors and shit how did you get that job at 13 so the one of the two party store jobs was i could walk to it from my house and it was just a place that i love the pizza from and it's in Southgate, Michigan. They use Capera Bakery Pizza, which I still drive down there like an hour from my house and still get that fucking pizza, <laughs> believe it or not. But I just walked up there and it's like, are you fucking hiring anybody? And then the owner's like, shit, you know, I can never find kids that are going to show up on time. So I was like, fuck it, I'm down. And like, I never missed a shift there, ever. The second party store job actually came from someone my father worked with at the steel factory. He owned, he worked at the steel factory and owned a party store. And he's like, you know, my son's looking for fucking extra work. So he would drive me over a couple miles to his party store. And I would do the same shit. Because I already had the skills. Which, if you want to call them skills, about putting fucking Fago and Coke on the shelf. But, you know, I came over and I fucking cleaned the store. And I would fucking put his empties away and stock his fucking shelf. So I had two of those gigs uh, going on at the same time. Do you feel like you needed to learn those skills that early in order to achieve what you've achieved? Or um, do you think there's another thing that folds into the equation? I look back at those, I mean, I actually had that before then. I was, I was a fucking kid with a lemonade stand, um, and that's more entrepreneurial, that's not really work ethic, um, but I would rake leaves, I would 
cut your grass. I would take your trash out. I would do fucking anything for fucking money. And there, there were times when I didn't need the money. Like, like life wasn't always all bad. When my parents were together, life was not terrible. But, you know, when they split, shit got bad. But I knew when I needed money, then I, I needed to go fucking rake leaves or cut grass. And that work ethic started, you know, before I was working at the party store. Like, I, And that's a more like a hustler's mentality. I'm just trying to figure out how to make money. You know, if we're on a field trip, I would go to this place called, like, Indian something. They, they sell, like, penny candy. And I'd load up on candy. And because I knew on the bus ride to the fucking field trip, I could sell that fucking candy like crazy. I don't know where I got that from, yeah. but I was always trying to make some fucking money, no matter what. And yeah. that, that was probably when I was, you know, 9, 10, 12 years old or something like that. But that shit started way before the party store. I think the, the work at the party stores and the other shitty jobs just kind of amplified it. I just recently saw an article that uh, said Chipotle was fined, you know, $1.3 million for child labor abuses. What do you think of that, knowing that you worked at 13? So I read that article when it popped up, and to be honest, I didn't read it all, so maybe there's something I'm missing. And I understand that they were doing labor abuses, they should get whatever they're fucking getting. But the first thing I thought when I seen that article or read that article was, did they ever try to figure out why those kids were working that many hours? And I think they mentioned like one, some people were working up to 48 hours a week, which would be eight hours of overtime, right? And it's like, I wish they would have put in there somewhere why these people had to work as teenagers. Because for me, if I wasn't able to work as much as I did, I think we would have been fucked. And, you know, my mother was fucking gone. My father was on fucking strike at the union at, at certain points at the steel factory. So he had to go get some fucking bullshit job. Dude, we're fighting for fucking everything right now to, you know, keep his car and his fucking house and food and all this shit. Then then... Just fucking survive. So if I couldn't have worked those two party store jobs at one point, I was working at two party stores and fucking, you know, working, cleaning car dealerships at night. And that was a little bit when I, you know, I was like 16, 15, 16. If I couldn't have done that, we would have been really fucked. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that look at it and go, oh my God, they were abusing the people, but they probably wanted to work. Now, if Chipotle was making them work or, or saying they were going to get fired if they don't work, then maybe that's a different story. But you don't, I think a lot of people don't understand that when you're struggling to fucking survive, all rules go out the fucking window. I don't care about what the government says. I need to eat. I need, we need to keep a roof over our head. We need to keep a car. You know, we got to pay our shit. We got to fucking survive and... These people are trying to fucking survive. So I understand that Chipotle got fucking hit, but did they ever really dig into why those fucking teenagers were working? And I think a large part of our society that, you know, their parents are married and they got good jobs. I was talking to someone, their fucking, you know, parents are both lawyers and they couldn't possibly understand how I was working at 13. I'm like, your parents make like $300,000 a year between the two of them. You wouldn't fucking understand what it's like. And to be, and then to go with it, this person didn't even get their first job until they were 22. How fucking nice would it have been to have two parents with a stable income where you didn't have to work until fucking 22? So when I look at that, it's like, I don't think anyone should be taken advantage of or abused. It's not what I'm saying. It's just that life's just not a fucking bowl of peaches where your parents are fucking got money and they're together. It's like, no fucking families are broken. 
some people don't make a lot of fucking money and sometimes you just gotta self-reliance you need to go take care of yourself and fucking contribute and i think part of our society doesn't understand that because they never had to struggle or they don't care to dive into the context well they don't want to know because it's fucking ugly that's true you know they they can't believe people live that fucking way well they do and i didn't have it that bad because i knew people that had it far fucking worse than i did there's probably people out there even worse than that that i've never fucking experienced but you know, fuck empathy. You know, I think a large part of society just doesn't understand. They don't want to understand. Or they go, oh, that's sad. I'm going to go donate some money. It's like, fuck off. Just, <laughs> I didn't mind working. I would do it all over again. I didn't mind. I was perfectly fine with taking care of myself. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's been impressed upon me since ever since I've known you is that you do come across as somebody that you'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. And I think... Uh, you know that's probably, that's probably why you're you're in the position that you're in. But I'll take this to an entrepreneurial angle. What, when you think back at your career, what's the hardest thing that you think you've had to do or overcome uh, to achieve your goals? I think the hardest thing for anyone to do is to keep doing the shit you don't want to do. And I, I see this kill a lot of careers. I see it just fuck up a lot of people when it comes to success. But I've seen it. In the business world, I've seen it, you know, in the corporate world, I'm saying, I've seen it with people I've known that own restaurants, I've, I've seen it in the music industry, um, I've, I've seen it almost everywhere where they get to the point where they have a little bit of success, and then they don't want to do the dirty work anymore. And it's almost across the board, whether it's creative work, arts, corporate world, whatever, it's, they start thinking they're too good to do something. And I'll say, in all the way till today, and tomorrow, I still spend half my day doing shit I don't want to do, but I have to do it if I want to maintain this level of success. And I hope one day I get to the point where I'm so successful that I don't got to do this bullshit, but life often comes down to doing this shit you don't want to do and how well you can do those things you don't want to do. And a lot of people start delegating it or pushing it off and they don't want to do it. So I think I've been fighting that my whole life as I had success in tech, success as an entrepreneur and other things. It's not letting that ego fucking take over and say, I'm perfectly fine with getting some dirt under my fingernails. And I think the day that I lose that, I'm probably going to fail. So, I mean, following on that, then I'm curious to know what you think when you hear this stat. The biggest challenge of 33% of small business owners is lack of capital. Where does your mind go when you hear that? People need to pay their motherfucking bills. <laughs> so, um, I do another podcast series called uh, The Shit They Don't Teach You in Business School. And that's actually derived from a book I wrote called The Shit They Don't Teach You in Business School. Because, you know, business school will teach you all about fucking math and derivatives and strategies and all this like textbook shit. But they never really give you an answer on how to deal with the fucking customer that hasn't paid you in six months. And they don't really tell you that if you try to do collections on them, that it doesn't work. And they don't tell you that trying to put uh, a penalty on a late payment, that no one ever pays those fucking penalties. And you realize you basically got to sue them to, if they're not going to pay in, it's like 15 grand or something to file a lawsuit these fucking days the proper ways. So they owe you 10 grand, you're going to spend 15 to file a lawsuit. The funny part is the company knows that. <laughs> That's why they don't. That's why they drag payments out six, nine. I got I got customers right now that owe me hundreds of thousands of dollars that are six months fucking late. They'll eventually pay, I hope. But 
So when I think about the capital side, it's like when you start making money, unless it's like a credit card business where you're swiping the credit cards and you get the money right now, like a subway. Um, if you're invoicing people, capital's always a fucking problem. Like cash flow is fucking king, particularly when you're trying to grow. But trying to get these fucking people to pay their money, it's like, as I was growing my business, it's like, you know, we got 500,000 in AR, you know, a couple, you know, keep growing the company. We got a million dollars in AR. We're at 1.5 in AR. We're at $2 million in AR. We're at 2.5 million in AR. And next thing you know, your people owe you millions of fucking dollars and you spend half your fucking day trying to shake them down for the money. And it's like, I need to find one of those people that, that are like, you know, fucking bookies that if you don't pay them the money, they come break your fucking kneecaps. Cause you basically got to do that to get paid. So you have capital to run and grow your business. I had an excellent point. When I read that, I, the first thing I thought of was that that isn't, that is not an excuse that I think you would make that you would shut down your business or close your business because of a lack of capital. I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where I, you come across to me as somebody who you just do anything. Uh, your goals have no bounds, essentially. I believe goals have no bounds, but I do feel that if you if you owe me a couple hundred thousand dollars and you don't want to pay it, <laughs> then I'm gonna go hire fucking Tony Soprano to swing by with a ball peen hammer to get my fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> so. Speak a little bit more on goals, no, no balance, James. What, what is your opinion on that? You know, there's, uh, times are changing, and I don't think that change is always a good thing. I think a lot of times we just want to change because we think change is fucking good. And if we look at our, uh, I look at my father or my grandfather, the amount of hours they worked, you know, a lot of people today don't want to do that. Some still are willing to. A lot of people are trying to find reasons not to, but... I tried to get this like construct in my head of, you know, no one tells a rock band they're, they're practicing too much. And I've always tried to find a way to like talk about that and to get someone to understand what I'm trying to say. But the rock band can sit in the garage practicing every day, seven days a week, all night. And no one ever says they're working too much. Work-life balance. No one ever says work-life balance. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, that's fucking awesome. You're chasing your dreams. You got to practice to succeed. But no one ever says, you know what? You guys need to take a break. You need some me time. You need some space. You need to decompress. No one ever tells the rock band that. And then substitute rock band for singer, rapper, pop star, country, whatever you want. Just any artist in general. No one ever tells those people they're working too hard or practicing too much. Most of the time, no one ever says it to the sports star. You can practice as much as you want as a sports star, and no one ever tells you you're practicing too much. And the uh, how I mean, when you're coming out of college, how many hours do the doctors work? Uh, a lot. It's more than forty. Oh, without a doubt. So no one ever tells a doctor they're working too much. Yeah. But when you're coming out of like fucking undergrad in school, you're, you're like 22 years old, and you're telling people that I only want to work 40 hours. So it's like, this is, I started to look at that and you would have heard that shit 20, 30 years ago because A, things were a little bit fucking tougher, you know, and B, some of those people were trying to get somewhere and you realize how fucking hard it is to get anywhere just doing 40 hours. So when I think about goals, no, no bounds, anyone I know that exceeded in sports, that exceeded in the fucking music industry, that succeeded as a doctor, um, as an entrepreneur, especially 40 hours is bullshit. Um, sometimes they might work 20 hours, but other times they might work 60, 70 hours. Cause at the end of the day, you stop when work's done. 
40 hours is an arbitrary number for many fucking people. So when you're trying to succeed, you put horse blinders on. You don't look left. You don't look right. You just run at your fucking goal as hard as you can. Dude, you, you don't care about relationships or family, all this bullshit. It's like, I have something I want to achieve in life, and there ain't nothing going to fucking stop me. And I see this world today where it's like they're trying to say, I want to reach those goals, but I only want to work 40 hours or even less. And it's kind of a fallacy, because I want to, you know, go ask yourself how many people you know with that mentality have reached high goals. Not many. I don't know any personally. But when you're chasing high goals, and I'm not saying like average, mediocre shit, high goals you realize how much fucking work it takes. You don't care about, you don't hate Mondays and you don't, you don't fucking love Fridays. It's, it's just another fucking day. You know, you wake up Saturday morning. It's not Saturday morning. It's another day to go chase my dream. So when I think about goals, no, no bounds, you, you don't care what people say. You don't care what time it is. You don't care what time you went to bed or what time you wake up. It's, I want to achieve this and I'm not going to stop until I get it. The time thing is interesting because I, I had a conversation the other day with my wife who is a medical resident and we were talking about um, expertise and, and kind of where she is now and I asked her, do you feel like there's a big difference between an attending physician, so someone who's been doing it a little while, and you? And she said, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a point where uh, knowledge-wise we'll get to the same place, but the big gap will always be the hours put in the, in the experience. And I thought like to know that at her stage of her career, I mean, we're the same age, of course, but where, where she is, I feel like is, is, is pretty impressive, and especially when you kind of contradict that to kind of corporate America where 41 hours is a pain, and that's all you hear all the time. It's, it's fascinating. And to hear you speak about the hours that you have to put in and knowing that as an entrepreneur, I, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, I'll, I mean I'll take the, the, the next question a different way. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about careers, 38% of uh, people in this study that, that came out uh, wish that they had taken more career risks when they look back on their careers. Um, where, did you, where does your mind go when you think of that? Just to back up for one second, you know, talking about your, your wife being in residency. Yeah. Um, it really does come down to how much experience you can get as soon as possible. And I tried telling people this, and sometimes they get it, and sometimes they look at me like I'm a fucking zombie. But if you just think about this for a moment, and we're talking some simple fucking elementary math, if you work 40 hours versus 60 hours, you're getting 50% more experience. And I don't think people process that. So the first thing th people will say is, well, I've seen studies. You'll fuck you in your studies, by the way. <laughs> so... Everyone that's ever done a fucking study, it's like, have you ever been in the goddamn real world? Somehow I did it, and I worked 70, 80 hours a fucking week and succeeded, but you're telling me that it was all a waste of time. Yet, here I am. And I don't want to be fucking arrogant about that, but I'm so tired of people shopping for shit on Google to find an article to back up their opinion, when I'm, like, sitting here in real fucking life saying that's bullshit. So, when I was working 60 hours, I was getting... 1.5 times as much experience as the person working 40 hours, which is, happens in, in healthcare. When you're doing those residencies and whatnot, you're getting way more experience with patients because you're trying to see every possible scenario so you can like help treat patients in the future because you know in health, they're all, they're, people are throwing shit at you all day long that you've never seen before. 
So the faster you get exposure to those things, the smarter you can be and the faster you can solve problems. So those years that I spent 60 hours working, I was just getting more experience faster. And it wasn't about getting burned out. And I'm not, you know, there's studies that say you get unproductive after 40 hours. It's like, depends what you're doing. I can pay invoices fucking 100 hours a week. It's not taxing to write checks and mail shit. Yeah. Sometimes, I'm sure it's stressing to do like finite mathematics 60 hours a week, but... Not everything's that. So can I do 30 hours a week of like stressful shit and 30 hours a week of administrative stuff? Yes, I can. That's 60 hours. But that whole thought of, you know, just 40 hours and you're going to get burned out. It's not a matter of burned out. It's, it's you convince yourself you're tired and you don't want to work. And this study said you shouldn't work after 40 hours. But it seems like everyone I know that owns a business and it's really successful works 50, 60, 70 hours. It's like, so why are they there? And everyone that says that you, you can't work that many hours is way down here. You know, it's think about it. If you're 20-something years old and you're listening to this, you could be getting way more experience if you put more fucking work in. Is that you just look for reasons not to while you watch all the people putting the work in keep climbing the fucking ladder. Yeah, for sure. Do you believe in the 10,000-hour uh, theory, theory? Was that a Gladwell thing or something about... I think it was like 10,000 hours to be good at something. To be like an expert, yeah. Yeah, to be an expert. So, um, I've known people that spent 20 years doing the same job that sucked, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Um, Were they functional? Did they have a lot of experience? Sure. You know, some people just make sense of things faster. They have better decision making. They retain more knowledge. They are able to be better critical thinkers. And I've seen guys at five years that can do a job better than someone at 20 years. The guy 20 years might have seen more shit, but he also might be bad at making fucking decisions or putting two and two together. But, you know, let's just say, you know, five years, 20,000 hours, you know, 10,000 hours roughly. Yeah, because my own experience in the companies I run that no one ever kills it the first year. It's usually about year two, so let's say 4,000 hours that they start to become functional where they're, they're doing pretty good. And by year five, they can crush it. So, and again, that's 10,000 hours at that point, but everyone's different. It might take someone three years, might take someone eight years, but it also depends on what you're doing. Some things don't have a lot of variables and they're just repetitive and you just see the same shit over and over again. So I think it just depends on the function and the job. But, you know, for the most part, I've I've never seen anyone just kind of come out of college and crush anything. (laughs) Very few people do it. Um... (laughs) I've never seen anyone just in one year pick everything up and just fucking kill it. It it takes fucking time. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to put the time in anymore. And you will continue to see the people that stick to the traditional shit. Just because this is how it was doesn't mean mean it's bad. They're following the same rules in the past where they just put the time in and they they get good at it and they climb the fucking ladder. And, you know, we want to say times are changing, but that hasn't changed. You know, spending the hours to master a craft and get good at something has not changed. 62% of U.S. billionaires are self-made. Can you achieve that level of success in a corporate environment or do you have to be an entrepreneur? I, I think for the most part, to become a billionaire, you're probably not going to do that, you know, working for somebody else. Maybe if you're at Goldman Sachs and you have some crazy opportunities, but... Uh, other other than that, you're going to have to go make your own way. Um, but, you know, I was, I never got around to publishing this book. And I'm 
I'm actually sitting on a handful of books I haven't published, but I was writing a book called Manufacturing Prosperity. And it was stemmed from when I was in my early 20s. I saw, I first went out to Lake St. Clair by me and I saw all these fucking yachts. And I just, I had to think about it, like where, I, I knew like automotive had money around here, but there were so many huge fucking boats. And I'm like, where the fuck are all these people getting their money from? And I, I, when I was writing that book, I started to dig in a little more. Like, all right, so where, where has manufacturing created wealth? At least in, in around the Metro Detroit area. And what I found out was many of those boat owners happened to be people that own their own business. And they were, you know, fabrication shops, CNC shops, metalworking shops, you know, plating shops, heat treating shops, like all manufacturing industrial type of shit. But, you know, you think about it, even a small shop at $5 million at 20% profit makes 20, makes a, makes a million dollars a year when you think about it. And you know, the shop small, you can make a million dollars and at 20% profit, you're still making $200,000 a year. So I, I started to learn all these, you know, small business owners often came from the industrial world and they didn't need a hundred million dollar business to have a yacht. And when I say yacht, whatever, 40, for, you know, 40, 50, you know, we're not talking 120 feet here. You know, a 40 foot sea ray or some shit. Which for me, you're 20 something years old, you grew up with nothing, that's a fucking yacht. But uh, it's not a yacht to me now. Yeah. <laughs> but so when I was writing that book, I started to dig in how manufacturing created wealth for people. And a significant amount of wealth, the kind of wealth that you, you leave your, your kids and you give them businesses and that type of shit. So when I was interviewing the shop owners, um, it wasn't surprising, but they all learned a craft somewhere else. They didn't just start this business out of the blue. They worked somewhere and then they learned welding. They worked somewhere and they learned CNC machines. They worked somewhere and they learned heat treat and plating. They worked somewhere and they learned fabrication. So they did end up working for a large company where they learned how to these skills and they got really good at it so they could go start their own fucking company. And I think that's kind of a lost thing right now where people don't want to, you know, the job hoppers, you want to go spend a year somewhere and you think because someone at Google said have a mosaic of a career, I think they said, or some shit. They didn't really digest the fact that you have to get good at something if you want people to pay you a reasonable amount of money. Jacks of, tr jacks of all trades are everywhere. I can get inch deep, mile wide people by the fucking dozen. What I can't get is people that really know their shit. And the people that really know their shit, they get paid a lot of money. So it's not just about working for a corporation and becoming a billionaire. I think it's working somewhere for somebody, whoever it is, a startup or a corporation and learning a fucking skill that you can master a certain craft and then go start your own business based on that. And I think a lot of people think I'm just going to go start this business and you realize, like, well, they're not even good at it. So I get pinged on Instagram all the fucking time. Like, I want to be where you're at. I'm like, first off, you're probably not willing to make the sacrifices mm -hmm. I made, but that's a whole other conversation. So the first thing I ask them is, what are you good at? Well, I don't know. It's like, so you're not fucking good at anything, but you want to be a millionaire. So I just, I try to walk them down this funnel of what are you good at or what are, what can you get good at? that people are gonna be willing to pay you money for. And a lot of times, most of the time, to be honest, they start realizing how much effort it's gonna to take to get good at something that the conversation ends. So it's like, you want to make a fuck ton of money for not being good at anything. 
Well, dude, we all do. Sign me the fuck up right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just more about regardless whether you're working in a company or whatever you're doing, it's you're not going to make a lot of money if you're not great at something. Yeah, that's true. So I'll, I'll end it with this stat for you, and then I'm eager to get your thoughts. We, we I mean, we, everybody knows that 20% of small businesses fail in their first year, 30% fail in their second year, 50% fail after five years, and then 70% fail after 10 years. Is that just a matter of persistence as, or perseverance, as, as you just mentioned? If I look at the companies that I've seen fail personally, I would say much of it extends from people just not willing to put the work in not understanding that you don't get days off, that it's a 24 hours a day, seven days a week thing that you have to keep grinding. And when you're on vacation, you still gotta work. You still gotta answer your phone. You gotta answer the phone on fucking Sunday. And you know, people want that like Monday to Friday, you know, eight to five type of job and that security, but they also wanna be a business owner. And I'm saying that just doesn't work. And I think a lot of times it's just bad businesses. You know, they pick the wrong franchise they started a restaurant and the food sucked. It's, they didn't want to put the work in, the wrong place, wrong time. A lot of that shit fucking happens. I see a lot of startups and as an angel investor, I get pitches all the time from people that are trying to offer uh, solutions to problems that don't exist. So they go out of business in two years pretty quick. They burn through all their money and they realize no one wants their fucking solution because there's not a problem out there. So, but a bulk of it, I would say it's just people who didn't want to put the work in. Um, this is a different lifestyle. This shit's not for everybody. And, you know, it should it should kind of come with a warning that <laughs> this shit's going to be a little bit tougher. It's not for amateurs. That's true. And uh, you're going to get fucking beat up and there's going to be these fucking, you know, highs and lows that you got to deal with. And I just don't think some people are cut out for that. They want that eight to five job that's got the security and, you know, you're going to miss some of your kids' shit. You're gonna come home late. You're gonna get waking up in the middle of the night. You're gonna wake up early. You're gonna work Saturday, and I just don't think people want to deal with that. They want the money, and they want the fucking fame that comes with it, but they don't like the sacrifice. So when you remove all the bad ideas and, and the bad operators and the people that don't care, then you're left with the people that just didn't want to put the work in, and I think that's why you got the failure rate so high. Excellent. Great. Great points. So. But that's it for this episode. We're going to wrap it up. Again, you can follow me on Instagram or YouTube at jamesphillip313. Uh, if you have any questions or insights, if you want to drop a topic for our next episode, go ahead and, and drop me a DM on Instagram, and we'll see if we can work you on in. But until then, we're going to catch you later.